Welcome to a brand new episode of Pop Cannon. This is episode 47. My mm. name is Jordan. I am Robert. My name's Paul. And I'm Joe. So we are discussing a little film called Halloween from 2007. Ooh! Nope. Actually. <laughs> no? Okay, okay. Uh, a little film called Halloween from uh, 2018. Ooh! Back, no? back, 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 back. Again? Back, 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 back. Further. A little further. All right. All right. What about the film Halloween from 1978? That'll do. Oh, that's the one that I didn't watch. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I watched all of the other ones. No, we, yeah. we, of course, are discussing, all jokes aside, the film, the original Halloween. Yes. Uh, written and directed by John Carpenter. Yes. An indie film that somehow found its way through and has, like, legions of worldwide adoring fans for it. Except for John Carpenter. It won't. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, going to preface this with me saying, like, I've never seen through all of the Halloween films... I've never been a big Michael Myers person, but I do really enjoy the first film. Yeah. What kind of opinions do you have on Halloween as a franchise versus the original film? I'm kind of in the same boat to where, like, I haven't really seen very many of these movies. Honestly, like, I haven't seen any other Halloween movie. This is the only one I've seen. And really? I, and the first time that I've seen it was yesterday. No really? <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yes. That's surprising, Very like, both on a cultural level and just on a, like, a Paul <laughs> level. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, and then, and yeah, like, Freddy, Freddy uh, Krueger. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any movie with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so, All right, but yeah. so, Paul, just going off of that, what what's your opinion on Halloween and what it's become and what it means to certain people versus what was your first impression watching this film? Like, are you surprised that it became such a big thing having watched that? Like, could you believe no, that there were I'm s- not, that many sequels and shit? I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm definitely not surprised about that. But I will say that watching this movie, it almost... Kind of, it almost felt like a comedy like really yeah it almost felt like there was more i laughed at more things than i felt tension or like any kind of like thriller aspect uh like <laughs> in particular when you just like see him standing <laughs> out in like broad daylight like i thought like i when those scenes happened i laughed like when really? you when okay. you see him like just drive by <laughs> after like his doctor's standing there and then like right in the it's like a cleverly shot yeah yeah you know I know exactly cl- the scene that you're talking about when he's on the corner <laughs> yeah and Michael Myers is waiting at a red light <laughs> yeah and then he and like then he pulls gets around the green to make the left through the light but when you think about <laughs> it the it's so looks funny the opposite direction as the car passes <laughs> yeah yeah. Because what's great about it is he's like, he's not necessarily trying to avoid being seen, which is cool as fuck, because I feel like most of the time, either they can, they can become invisible or something like that, or, or people are just like, what? It's not really there. Something like that. Whereas this guy, he's literally a guy. Yeah, it's just a dude with a mask, and I guess that's what makes it funny, but also it's kind of badass, too, you know what I mean? Because he's just using the mask as a a disguise, and, like, I guess people just don't really, like, think about it when they see him. Yeah, but uh, like, that guy's fucking weird. Well, the the fact that it takes place on Halloween, nobody, especially in the late 70s, nobody's gonna think, oh, that's weird. That's when they were eating razor blades and their apples and shit. Like they just—it like, didn't, it didn't matter back then. The seventies was the wild west. <laughs> syringes in the syringes in the can, the two of them. Yeah, and their candy yeah, and, and the shit. Candy. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah. So other than that, 
the lighting was definitely a standout of this movie. Like, the scenes where you just kind of, like, see the mask sort of, like, in the dark, but it's just enough to where you can see it. Like, yeah. the, the detail, those those are probably the standout scenes. And that's from, like, it's an artistic thing that he was yeah. able to pull it off that way, but also it was just budgetary. They didn't yeah. right. have money for more lights. Right, so right, it's right. just going to be fucking dark. <laughs> like, yeah. we'll shoot around... We'll shoot around the budget and accidentally create a classic film. The, 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 the very last point that I'm going to make is this movie has been iterated on and copied so many fucking times and in so many different genres yeah. that it's hard for me to watch the movie and not feel like it's conventional. Right. So, so that kind of took away from it i think too like it kind of having known like how it's been homaged so many times yeah and having seen it already in so many other ways that when you see where it was actually laid out you're like oh okay exactly obviously you would do that (laughs) it's like watching it in retrospect it doesn't have the same effect and see for me like the first time i watched this one I don't remember exactly when, but like it definitely had an effect on me. And even to, you know, rewatching it for this, um, I still, there were at least two, one moment for sure uh, startled me. And one of the jump scares got me, even though I know when he comes out (laughs) of the pantry, like it just happens so, because for so long, nothing is really happening. That when that door opens so fast and he just grabs that guy by the throat and puts him up on the wall, I was like taken back by it. <laughs> it startled the hell out of me. But like, I think, you know, some of the cheesier shit from it is just like from the time or whatever. Mm. But like, there are still certain staple things about it that hold up from a technical standpoint and from just like. The fact that like it's, it can't it blows my mind that like the budget the budget was like three hundred thousand dollars, you know, and that's yeah. it. They didn't have any more, and they like John Carpenter and uh, his girlfriend at the time co-wrote it together, and then they were on set every day. You know? And you said it was shot in twenty days. Twenty days it was filmed. That's in. ridiculous. Yes, because yeah. that's that's the low budget, and it was supposed to, in the original script, take place over weeks uh but they were like we don't have a a wardrobe budget so it's happening in one night (laughs) you know like they just you have to adjust and like all four of us have been on low budget sets where like you're kind of just dealing with all right this is what it says but how can we accomplish something similar at least you know, we like made a shitty glass. slasher movie that referenced Halloween a billion times. Yeah. <laughs> Joe did a really great job, like writing that and and picking out those moments. So it's just it's interesting to think about it in that aspect too for me, like watching it, like those decisions. Um, but yeah, when he's standing around in broad daylight, it's goofy as fuck, but at the same time, like still kind of startling because you come to find out that it is a homicidal maniac that's like he's not even attempting to get to the children which is different i think and that's probably more uh from the time period also because <laughs> you know that movie now i think he'd probably slash those kids up real easy and keep moving because dead kids who fucking cares now right yeah. even halloween four or whatever it's called he comes back for Lindsay, right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so mm-hmm which I, we're not talking about, but <laughs> like those might as well be, I mean, they are totally separate films, but, but, but going off that Joe. So you obviously have some other knowledge of other Halloween films. So yeah. what, how does that affect your watch through of this? It's weird. Cause I really, I do always forget the, like John Carpenter's Halloween is really only the first Halloween, even though like, the second one does so much to like stitch itself onto that. Like it's a direct follow up where it feels like it feels like they're continuous and all the lore that comes out in that 
I always forget when I'm going back to watch the first one that like, oh, none of that is established here and none of that is really true. Like the whole thing of like Lori is actually his like lost little sister and that's mm-hmm. why he's after her. It, it's a lot of like really dumb stuff. And then later on it gets retconned to he's like a demon or something like that. It's very dumb. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the, the retconning that they did to try to, they tried to make it make sense, but it didn't really have to. Right, uh, exactly. Because he's he's a killed a bunch of, like that from that opening sequence. That's POV. well, that opening. Like, the opening gives you everything you need. Like it's about yeah. sex. It's about promiscuity and like it's something wrong in his head from when he was a little boy. Yeah, uh, and he just. <laughs> I he's think just it also like, ties the, in that you can look at it from twenty twenty and say, "Oh, he had a very bad doctor who did not <laughs> did not do anything to help him," because like I like. I hate Dr. Loomis. Like, throughout <laughs> every Halloween, he's, like, the worst character for me. He's not a good doctor. He doesn't ever try to help anybody. He was locked up for 15 years, and he spent the first, what was it, seven? So he seven spent the first six to trying to help, and then the next seven trying to keep him away. Keep from him that. locked no, up. <laughs> no, but not only that. There's that scene where he literally watches two little kids screaming and running out of a house. And he does absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> no, he, that's when he walks through the house. He's like, I found him. But I thought you were talking about when the, the kids who are bullying um, the little boy, they're yeah, going yeah. up to the oh, house yeah. and he hides in the bushes and he goes, hey, get yeah, your oh, ass yeah. out of here. And he yeah. smiles to himself yeah. like, I'm doing the Lord's work. Do like, I'm a good person <laughs> sitting here scaring he kids. Just, he could have just walked up to them and be like, hey, you're not allowed to be here. He could have just like showed him his gun, his doctor yeah. gun. <laughs> his doctor gun. <laughs> Which he gets startled and pulls out later and is like Yeah. Why, why do I have a gun? I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I have a license. He's like stethoscope sidearm. <laughs> uh, Turn in your gun and your stethoscope. But so so for me, the 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 legacy of Halloween or however you want to word that, like I've seen all of those sequels, yeah. But I don't remember which one had what information because I've seen them so jumbled up so many times. Um, but for me, my full appreciation for Halloween didn't happen until the Rob Zombie movies. I fucking love those movies. Oh yeah, they're love great. those fucking movies. They are sick, twisted, dark, horrible fucking <laughs> thoughts that he's able to just get out creatively so he's probably a wonderful person to be with because he none of it's in his head he's it's all out there for yeah but i think Um, that's so much like (laughs) how dated this movie is like the rob zombie really did bring that story into the modern age and really like kind of clean up all of the mess that all of those sequels did yeah because he kind of just like molded that story into one thing rather than right we learn this in four and this in six and H2O and resurrection and all that shit. <laughs> Lori died, but it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good point too, because like I've seen the Rob zombie films, but I've only seen them when they were released. Like I mm. saw them in theaters. Okay. So I don't really remember them. Oh man. They're uh, solid. Cheyenne and I were talking about it last night when we were watching this and she was saying how, with Rob Zombie modernizing it, yeah. he made you give a shit about the people that Michael Myers killed. Whereas yeah. in this one, it's your run-of-the-mill slasher. But it's doesn't also matter who the kids are. It's also a time thing because then they didn't spend an hour and a half making you care about people before anything happened. Right. Um, that wasn't part of how they wrote. That's that wasn't part of storytelling at that point they were just like you'll care enough that she's an innocent girl going to school that smokes a jazz cigarette with her friend in the car (laughs) Uh. (laughs) poorly i might add um so like that's not how like obviously now but the thing that he wanted to do more than anything was make sure that you never um cared for had empathy for michael Myers. Which I feel like a lot of the original fans of the original series didn't 
like because they humanized him in a way that he didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to be. Mm -hmm. So I get that. But at the same time, I also really like in this movie how he is remorseless and he you don't know anything. He's just some dude in a mask, like Paul said earlier. He's just some guy in a mask. And that's why it's so scary to me. (laughs) Anywhere. And I love that. And that's exactly why it is scary. I'll say this, though, in defense of the attempt to humanize the character. Again, I'm not like familiar with any of that. But I will say that one of my tiny criticisms of this movie was how the only explanation that you get is from the doctor and he's just like, he's evil. (laughs) He's evil. There's nothing else. You would at least think that like a guy who's a doctor would would be like, oh, I can't really explain what's wrong with him. You know what I mean? But instead, we just keep getting him saying that he's evil, which just... Maybe then it was, like, fine, but I feel like it's not enough now. Like, people yeah. want a little bit more, like... Yeah. Um, but yeah, at everybody's the same like, time... evil. My fucking cat's evil. Get over <laughs> it. <laughs> at the same time, though, like, I do appreciate m- more mystery and not mm-hmm. exactly, like, just telling me, like, everything about why the character is this way. So I can see why, you know, that might not be... And when I rewatched it, it ended, and I was like, fuck, that's so abrupt. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's such a ballsy way to just end that movie. Like, And I forget every time. I'm like, yes. I forget that it ends so suddenly. Yes, I was like... Ah. And, and it's weird now knowing that, like, there was no intention to pick up that thread anywhere. It was just meant to be, like, and he's still out there because he's the right. boogeyman or whatever. And every Halloween, you know, right. like... Yeah. And maybe he's coming to your town, you know, because at that point we didn't have the connection between them. So he just went home and fucking decided yeah. to kill a bunch of babysitters. <laughs> so that was the original title, right? The babysitter murders. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, you know, good on them for changing it. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't imagine it would have scored the legions of adorning fans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like I don't think everybody's gonna be out there with the babysitter murder shirt and you know I want to I want to wear the babysitter murders gla- gla- just mask, mask you know. <laughs> um, so Paul Paul mentioned the lighting. Yeah, the cinematography is really amazing, and like a lot of the stuff he does, like like it opens on that like long take from outside the house, which is very effect. It was almost like a modern thing of like making you uncomfortable, like gazing yeah. through the window. Yeah. And voyeurism I know, in like, this movie. right, voyeurism, and I've seen interviews where John Car- Carpenter talks about um, trying to emulate like Orson Welles's filmmaking. So that's like he's mm-hmm. a fan himself, make like advancing these techniques, and then they get copied off of him. Right, but, like this is going like all the way back. Um, <laughs> do you think? Do you think that they did a good job turning South Pal- uh, South Pasadena, California, into a midwestern town in Pope, I think Indiana. so. I know that's a thing about Nightmare on Elm Street is like they're supposed to be in Illinois, but there's palm trees. Yeah, um, there but, are in this in the very background if you're looking for it. Oh, okay. Like, See, a I'm lot not... of people aren't. You're looking at what you're looking for, Michael. You're not looking for the trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not looking uh when they're doing a, a a rolling shot past the street. You're not looking all the way in the back to see the palm tree. Right, uh, but they did. That's they had to uh, paint leaves, like physically paint leaves, and lay them everywhere. Yeah, uh, it was the middle of the summertime when they filmed it, so it was yeah. really difficult in California to get fucking pumpkins. <laughs> so there was a lot of like. Th- that's why when the kid drops that pumpkin, I'm always like, "Oh, that had to suck." They had to have used that for three days before they let him drop it, because how many did they have? They didn't have that many, uh. you know. It's another one of those things, like, when you're filming, you're like, all right, we've got these pumpkins cut. We've got to get every fucking scene with a pumpkin before this thing starts to fucking rot. <laughs> and I didn't even oh, think about shit. that. About the the pumpkins and filming in California versus the Midwest. Like, I didn't know it was filmed in California. Well, wait, can so. they not, do they not grow pumpkins in California? Is no, they're like illegal. That? I don't know that they're that prevalent in the middle of the summertime. I know over on the East Coast you could get them whenever the fuck you want, really. Yeah. 
but I don't know how <laughs> how available it was in 1978, 78, huh. 77 either. Yeah. So that's one of the places where stuff like this suffers when you watch it in HD in the modern age, yeah. though, because that scene that you're talking about, I was watching with my roommates, and you there's like 20 leaves on the ground around the tree, <laughs> and yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're thinking, oh, this. Uh, this doesn't seem quite right. But. Or just like on that one stretch that Jamie Lee Curtis walks, it's just leaves on the sidewalk. Mm. Yeah. Like there's like a million leaves on the sidewalk. And you're like, <laughs> seems very specific. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, fall, yeah. fall, it's fall, it's Halloween, remember? Uh, <laughs> I think that the Halloween setting really helps sell this movie. Like we said, yeah. the, the scare factor in having yeah. Michael be able to just walk around outside during the middle of the day um yeah i think it's more unsettling in my opinion than funny but that's just because i find that type of stuff scarier than if it were like freddy krueger or someone yeah. like some monster walking yeah, down the street because it's literally just a dude in a mask yeah and that's what always drew me to this more than anything was the fact that he was just a regular guy until they made him a demon um, right. <laughs> so before that piece of information dropped, I always really enjoyed that he was a demon. But what were some of your favorite sequences or shots that that they set up in this and, and accomplished? Because I really enjoy uh, the one I think that the two of you guys mentioned the with the where his mask just becomes visible in the dark in that corner yeah, of the room yeah that yeah. shot is just so effective and he's not rack and focus or anything like that they just use a dimmer on a light that was pointed directly at the mask they just turn the dial a little bit to blow it up some and then because it's so dark in that corner just the little glimmer that you get of that is fucking terrifying <laughs> um and then the shot where he's busting through the closet door is terrifying to always was that scared the shit out of me because <laughs> you're not even safe in the little confined area that you thought you were safe in and then there's just that one shot where he finally gets through it and he just goes <laughs> and it's a split second but it's like he makes his dead blank eyes make con eye contact with you and you're like ah shit i i think that final sequence in the bedroom is on this like 20 day shoot that's when they were focusing this is the most care we have mm -hmm. to take um because even when laurie stabs him and he's on the ground first it feels like they use a different actor because when he's on the ground he looks smaller yeah he's There's, he's just i think they used a total of three different guys in the costume okay for yeah this movie. Because when he's down, he like all threat from him is gone, and that was very effective for me. And then just that close up of Laurie as he sits up is very oh, it's, it's tropey, yeah, but it's so iconic. Great. <laughs> and then there's another cut, and there's a it's a closer shot of Laurie, and that's when he stands up. And there's mm -hmm, a camera mm -hmm. movement with it. It's just framed so well, and I think that is that's one of those things that like this is kind of setting the stage for every horror movie to come after this and it really is it you know it, it lives rent free in your brain <laughs> the undertaker doesn't do that for 30 years in his career if michael myers doesn't sit up that right. way because <laughs> literally when he's laying there and they frame the shot so you see him laying entirely having not watched this for a couple years because i try to not re-watch movies all the time so yeah. they'll get me every time i watch them um, when he sits up, I was like, ah, shit, there it is. Oh, fuck. Because you know it's coming, but until he actually does it, and then you want to see how effective he does it. You know, does he sit up and he kind of rolls over on his hips to get... No, he just... Yeah. And that's why you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> I, I think... I, I know I kind of, like, poked fun at him just standing, like, near the bush. But, uh, but that was, like, a... A really cool and, and another thing that I like is even when nothing is necessarily happening there's still spooky music playing like almost throughout the entire movie yeah there's yeah. like that and spooky piano music John Carpenter was also the composer yeah Oh, okay I was gonna say like just when Laurie's like walking with her friends 
I got to get, I think they're walking back home. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of feels like one long shot, or maybe it is. Uh, I mean, they did a, they did it so many times, where it, even if it wasn't supposed to be like a long take, it was just an extended, like there's no cuts. He just kind of let them breathe, like they walked across the street with the one kid, and then instead of cutting and going over to this house, he kind of just lets them walk and follows them. Yeah. You know, it gives you and a it, real good uh, right. Spatial idea of your recognition. Yeah, you know that those houses are right across the street from each other. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of sets up like because they keep looking out the window as a mechanism to build. When you finally see someone standing there, you're like, "Fucking Jesus Christ!" You know, if you could pick it out where he is and shit, like that's yeah. the stuff that always got me. Always got me. Going along with you guys, I really enjoyed that entire final sequence. Where Lori's just running for her life. Uh, really enjoyed that. Another scene that really stuck out to me, following up with Paul's comment about that scene where they're walking down the street mm-hmm. and then Michael pulls up in the car. I thought that was really unsettling for mm-hmm. someone like a young girl to, to like scream something at a car and then it just dead stops in the middle yeah, of the road yeah, and yeah. doesn't move. And then Speed he just kills. Like, the fact that it lingers <laughs> And he doesn't move for so long before yeah. he finally starts again. I thought that was really effective. Yeah. Um, just nothing's happening, but like it builds tension. Yeah. It's just the slow, like you could tell that she's bothered by something. So you're seeing what she's seeing. Yeah. And there's like so many times in real life where like things might not be happening as part of something that's together. But because they're happening in the same amount of time, you're kind of building them in your own head. So this kind of happens in this movie where she like sees the guy outside while she's at school. She sees that car again. She sees that car again. Or a car like it. Because you don't know if her head is fucking with her or anything. But like, she's believing that all of those things are connected. And her friends are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You know? It starts to like make her look a little bit crazy. But then you pull that back and it's all actually real. And she's right, and then she has to use a, a a needle to stab him in the throat for a second. <laughs> you do kind of wonder where Michael learned how to drive, though. That's something that I actually read about today. Because I, <laughs> I know that that's a that's a big criticism of the movie. If he was locked up for his formative years when he could have learned how to drive, how does he know how to drive? And I think. What I read was in the book. There was like a novelization of the movie that came out. His parents are very fucking rare. Um, but in the book, they explain that. And it's real fucking haphazard. But when he was in the back seat, when he would be going to appointments, when Dr. Loomis would be driving him, he paid attention really well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uses huh. his, his hyper focus that he uses to kill one person while killing everybody else around them. He uses that to learn how to drive. <laughs> it's the, it's the demon blood. We just don't know about it yet. He, they didn't right. set He's it up. the Hannibal Lecter of driving. <laughs> He's the Hannibal Lecter of driving. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucking um, good. Some of the performances were just not good, though. Uh, and as the dialogue as... is not good either, though. No. Some of the people that acted in this, I don't think ever acted again. <laughs> no. And that, I think that's part of, of why I view this movie in such a weird way, because well, I can't criticize it for that, because I don't think they're actors. I like the idea that they're all like just normal fucking people. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like it happened anywhere, not just Haddonfield. Yeah. You know? It just feels like they could have. There was just a camera that happened to be placed in this town while this was happening, and knew this girl or something. You know, like it just followed the this crazy moment that happened on Halloween one time, and then it moved on. Like that's why sometimes the sequels don't necessarily need to happen because the lore of this is just like this becomes like a story in that town and like a myth that gets passed down. And oh, yeah. you don't that kind of thing. Yeah, it's an urban legend. Yes. So so did anyone see uh the most recent 2018 film just Halloween 
I've wanted to. I just haven't seen it. So I saw that in theaters, and okay. I enjoyed it, even though it somehow gets hate on the internet still. But I mean, is whatever. it so? I from what I understand about that, is it supposed to be a almost a direct sequel to this? It's a direct sequel to the original film. Right. right. So that so it, cuts out. So erasing the original Halloween two. Yeah, yeah, erases everything beyond the first film. Right. Right. Which I like because it was yeah, way they, easier they, to they follow. They use it as a days of future pasting. They did that's what they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed that movie, and I I think it's worth checking out, especially if you're a fan mm-hmm. of either just the Halloween franchise or just the first movie, because I think mm-hmm. you don't need any of the other stuff in order to get enjoyment out of that film. No. Like, it's definitely a really good follow-up, in my personal opinion, watching this movie and then seeing mm-hmm. that Halloween. And we're getting I did want to watch it. I just never had the opportunity to see it. It was, it was on HBO for a little bit, I think. Yeah. So wait, does it take place, like, 30 years later? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. funny. Because I, I just looked it up and I see Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And I'm like, does yeah. like, Jamie Lee Curtis play herself as a well, teenager and, again? Just getting, her, <laughs> just getting her back for that is surprising because she had said she was never doing another one. Yeah. So she did like all six of the sequels or whatever. Yeah. And she was like, I'm just going to be the person that does these Halloween movies. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And then they convinced huh. her to come back. So that's cool. And I think she's supposed to be back for the sequel to that. Oh, they're it's doing supposed more? to be Halloween Kills and then Halloween Ends, and that's supposed to be it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now Paul, ends. you seeing Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie and this being her, like, feature film debut, what did you mm-hmm. think of her performance? How do you feel about Freaky Friday now? <laughs> <laughs> I could tell that she was, like, the, the best out of the, like, others yeah but you know yeah. whatever i thought i thought she did a good enough job like all the things considered you know she yeah. just i i think with the with the budget that they had i think she made like eight grand off of this movie or something like that <laughs> <laughs> you know one could so argue she, that every dollar she's made in her career was earned by this movie though <laughs> No, exactly. So, like, <laughs> it's crazy uh, how not standards change, but like, oh yeah, what is expected, I guess. But I mean, this was it was just an indie movie that wasn't necessarily supposed to be looked at for yeah. the next fucking forty years as like, let's dissect. You know, it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> intended for, like he didn't write it for that. You know, you right. always hope that obviously it's gonna do good, but you don't yeah. fucking. He didn't think that four nerds would be doing a podcast about it in 2020. No, well, and we're far from the fucking first or last that'll talk about it, which is why it's crazy. You know, (laughs) imagine just like, I mean, obviously it's the thing that I think he did the taking of Pelham one, two, three before this, um, like as a director, then he directed some other smaller thing before this, but this was like, obviously the thing that fucking blew up for his career. Like, it's just crazy to think like, oh yeah, we're just gonna know, write this bullshit, kill a bunch of babysitter movie, and see what happens, and then fucking his entire career is like made off of that shit. It's awesome. Like I said, I don't think the writing, like the dialogue of it, was very strong, um, but I do think she plays her character very believably. Like she's supposed to be, you know, the good girl of her group, like she maybe wants to be as promiscuous as her friends but just doesn't have the confidence to do it but then that's ultimately why she survives and like i'm not here to say like whether that's like (laughs) a good take or a bad one but (laughs) i do think that she plays that well like i and like robert said where standards have changed like by today's standards like um jamie lee curtis in 1978 is not like a head turning actress that is going to be like drawing people in um which is a shame because like she is she is now a good actress and like it's again hard for me to like separate this from the sequels just because like she has some really like 
funny moments like especially in like h2o mm-hmm. it's just so funny where she's like oh my brother he came after us with a really big knife <laughs> 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 and like it's cheesy and it's stupid but like is jamie lee curtis so it's funny <laughs> yeah. um <clears throat> i was gonna say i think that having seen her in so many things now where she portrays a mother yeah going back to watch this um there's certainly like a super matronly quality that she has over those two kids while she's babysitting them mm-hmm. and that i didn't expect to like think that but while i was watching it i was like she seems like she's gonna take really good care of those fucking kids man <laughs> yeah like i would absolutely trust her to watch to some fucking kids and that's before she protects them from the homicidal maniac in town you know <laughs> so yeah she does a really good job of of projecting that and then joe had brought up that she's the least promiscuous of her friends which is funny because she's like wearing the long skirt and the light and the stockings and like the leggings or whatever and um you know but it's her ultimate pent-up sexual aggression that she's able to do those things because those girls were like spent already (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't know about that that's a take one had just (laughs) had sex so she was like oh man you know she's fucking playing talking to him and shit like that like it's no big deal so when it finally comes down to it she's got no fight left in her they were all weakened jamie lee curtis how many times does she fight him off because she's not the one out there having sex I love it. God damn it. Abstinence saves. <laughs> yeah. Halloween kids. That is the moral of this movie. I will give you that. But <laughs> um, As far as like her, her outfit and her actions, mm-hmm. um, she played awkward very well. And I guess, I guess it's the dialogue too, but like some of the way that she delivered some lines didn't work well for me in my opinion her friends were very difficult to like play off of yeah yeah Yeah. they weren't there wasn't a lot of room there for her to really sink her teeth into any scenes um yeah i do really enjoy that monologue by loomis Mm -hmm. where he talks about uh seeing the evil in michael's eyes or whatever i felt like that was a well-written monologue and i think it was the best the writing had gotten to that point for any character but from what i understand when they were writing the script he allowed his girlfriend to write the girl's dialogue and he focused really on loomis's stuff like dialogue wise so you can kind of take that for what it is um but Loomis's uh, dialogue about seeing the the evil in Michael's eyes. Apparently, John Carpenter wrote this whole thing based off of how when he went, he I guess he went to some sort of asylum <laughs> and saw a six year old with dead eyes, and that's where he came up with the idea of the evil in his eyes. Mm-hmm. You he like because he just apparently this kid was just emotionless. And just dead eye staring at him. <laughs> John he Carpenter, was he was on so many drugs. <laughs> like, don't let that make you a fucking ableist. <laughs> the soul is dead, man. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> I mean, they don't even they don't even have insane asylums anymore. So we couldn't even go check one out if we wanted to. It's not a fucking zoo, Robert. <laughs> Maybe you too could get a pen pal. Yeah, I mean, fucking, we're all missing out here. He had a unique experience that none of us can ever achieve on our own level. Um, when she runs across the street from one house to the other, yeah, that tracking shot. Yep. Which, for me, is like the cherry on top of all of the other tracking shots that they did. Because of how swiftly they bypassed all of the obstacles that were in the way of that. And then framing it just past the tree. You know, like, it's a specific decision to whether you want to stay back here and have the tree on this side. Or pass the tree just slightly and get her on the other side of that. 
while she's banging on the door demanding that that kid wake up. Um, I fucking, it's just, the camera work is just so awesome throughout. Speaking of camera work, that let's real quick talk about that opening sequence. Yeah. Because uh, everybody talks about that opening sequence. It was like a one shot before people, people did one that. shots as gimmicks in films. Right. Uh, I thought it was super effective. I love the way that the camera pans around uh, through the house as he's looking. Mm-hmm. Uh you know he's he's walking like because at first you don't know what you're seeing you don't know what you're looking at yeah and it, it was just super interesting the way that they set that whole thing up and the big reveal that it was like just this little boy who just mm-hmm. murdered his sister um, whose parents are not surprised she just puts her <laughs> they were in just... her pockets <laughs> what Damn are you it, doing Michael. out here <laughs> another friday yeah. <laughs> michael stabbed his sister again <laughs> but no i really liked it i really liked it um and they kind of bookend those not that the shot at the end of the movie is from anybody's perspective per se but they kind of bookend the style of moving the camera it you know? is a little bit back in his perspective because you hear him breathing Mm-hmm. But you don't mm-hmm. see him. So you you could argue that, yeah, it is Michael him approaching the yeah. house again. But, yeah, that is a good... But the thing I but the thing from the opening that I liked was uh, the through-the-mask view. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking... That's killer. That's such a good fucking Literally. move, man. <laughs> I just... It's so, like... Because you realize that you're in somebody's, like body you're seeing for what they're seeing at a certain point and then to put the mask on it to just elevate that to the next level so now it's like even obstructing your own view of what's happening like i just i always when he puts the mask on he's like, yeah, 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 fucking stupid. <laughs> do you guys have any any thoughts on that opening sequence yeah i um like i said before I think it does a really good job. I think building off of something Robert said earlier about the slow pans and like keeping with everybody for a long time, you can kind of go back to that feeling of any time the camera is lingering a little too long, you might start to feel like you're Michael and you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things and it like... I feel bad saying it because I think part of it is just overanalyzing the how it's made of things, but you're too high in that perspective. He's too tall because it's a cameraman who's not crouching to be a 10-year-old boy walking through the house. And even when they're coming down the steps, it's like super high up because I think they're on a track. Um, And then that tableau at the end just kind of goes on a little too long. It's the kind of thing... With a modern movie, that scene would continue as we pan away. They would, like, run into the house and find the body. And, like, we'd hear all these things from afar. But it's just frozen with the mom there and the dad's in this uncomfortable pose. And Michael's there with, like... Michael's got horror in his eyes. So with everything about not wanting to humanize Michael, I think the opening does that off the bat because he's a child... And then you're thinking about if he's been in this institution and nobody's done anything about him, he's (laughs) still the exact same. He's a 10-year-old deranged boy in a 25-year-old man's body. Yeah. Superhuman body. And that's, that's again, a person in 2020 looking back with sympathy on a character from 1978 who was, you know, conceived to not be sympathized with. So mm-hmm. that's the caveat with my own argument, but <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, John Carpenter just as a fun little factoid, uh, was re- really enjoyed Yul Brenner's, uh, depiction of the man in black from the Westworld film. Okay. From the year prior to this. I still have to watch or no, that. Five years. I think five years prior to this that came out. 
Yeah. And that was what he wanted Michael he wanted Michael Myers to be that presence. And then James Cameron used that uh as well when he did the Terminator. Oh, okay. The man in black. Like that yeah, that that so that very stoic just gonna continue forward. Okay. And then obviously in the script he was the shape and all that and that's like I feel like that bit of trivia is so over over talked about, like the shape like they kept calling him the shape and then the shape appears from the foreground and but i think when you watch how they filmed it they effectively went for just a shape yeah even one that as joe pointed out changes uh (laughs) as shapes often do i guess (laughs) (laughs) with that being said any final thoughts on halloween from 1978 good movie Good, good movie that everybody takes shit from. Everybody's stolen from it. <laughs> and that's why when you watch it, it's kind of boring, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I, I, I'll, so at worst, the movie's boring. At best, it's good. <laughs> A lot of room in between there. Put that, I think they're going to put that on the uh, this the, the DVD art next time. Yeah. <laughs> on a scale of Halloween to Halloween, how would you rate this movie? Fucking right down the middle of Halloween. <laughs> I like this movie a lot. It's a classic for a reason. A lot of the filming and the actual techniques of the filmmaking are groundbreaking and phenomenal and like paul said everybody stole from it and it led to this incredible horror genre that we have come to know and love because freddie and uh, jason didn't come until the 80s so like this Mm -hmm. was really the first foray into like super serial killer type monster um yeah so it's like revolutionary in that way. And this is a movie that I don't have a problem going back and rewatching. I know Robert, you talked earlier about how you try to give yourself time to rewatch movies. I, and I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. I'll put two to three, sometimes even five years between a viewing of something. Just so the next time I see it, it's like a different phase of my life. I'm picking up different parts of it. And you know, it's, it, it almost views as like a completely new movie. Because I've seen so much stuff in the span of that time that when I go back to watch things, I'm like, wow, that was really good. It actually was really good. I like being able to say that. And this movie still holds up for me. Uh, I still get enjoyment out of it. I still find myself uh, getting mad at the kids for doing dumb things that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would do in that scenario. But that's part of the fun of horror. It's very nostalgic, and I think it holds up based on nostalgia a lot. I think the franchise was built on the nostalgia of this movie. Um, It's good to hear from Paul, from like a a virgin viewer. Totally fresh, yeah. Right, that it still holds up well. Um, I think the slowness is um, a symptom of the time that... Mm -hmm. You know, we're used to SpongeBob editing where we can't really go like <laughs> four seconds without a cut uh, or else we feel uncomfortable. But that to itself makes us uncomfortable and amps up and the horror the in a way that yeah. John yeah. Carpenter probably didn't realize it would in the future. Um, uh, another like in 40 in 40 years, they'll all have ADHD. <laughs> this will be a totally different viewing experience for you. <laughs> Um, another like stupid thing that we didn't really get to mention, but it's fun that like the original thing shows up that four yeah. years later, John Carpenter will go on to make the, the oh, more yeah, recognizable right. version of that. People don't even know now that there was a version before that, that's a remake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's a fun thing, but yeah, I think this, it is a classic now. I think in 78, they thought this would be. A modern classic we would call it but now it's firmly rooted in cinema history yeah. Uh, yeah. whether critics want it to be there or not <laughs> some critics liked it like roger ebert <laughs> <laughs>
But he said in his review, do not see this movie if you do not want to be terrified. Oh. Like, that was his fucking review of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, holy shit. That's like all you'd ever want to hear as a filmmaker yeah something like this it's not very terrifying to us but that's because we've seen everything that's been built off of it yeah, i remember right. my mom always told me she went to see jaws on a date and she like pissed her pants because she was so scared <laughs> and i like me being like a eight-year-old i was like this isn't scary mom yeah. <laughs> but it's always regarded as one of the best horror movies of all time, and I'm always like, dude, it's a shark, though. Stay away from the water, and you win. <laughs> and you win. <laughs> Have you lived in a beach town? That's not plausible. <laughs> That's their economy, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> That's their economy. <laughs> this whole town shuts down if we stay away from the water. If we do classic <laughs> horror... I, I could tell you some things about Joss. <laughs> no, so th that also just felt like as if Joe and I were both running for mayor of that town. <laughs> we were giving our stump speeches in a debate, and that's... <laughs> Stay away from the water! Do you hear what he's proposing? He wants to shut down the economy! <laughs> Robert's a coward! Have you seen his shark cages? It's bigger than any of the other shark cages. <laughs> and here's the mute button would you like to respond Robert I dare you to mute me I dare you <laughs> it just All right. felt like accidentally that was the most organic like we, now there's a whole pilot in my head about the the fucking government of the town of Jaws <laughs> the town of Jaws that's the so that's the name of the show. It's an HBO Max original. The, it's not even the town from Jaws. It's the town of Jaws. Yeah. That that's my second proposal. We rename the town to Jaws. <laughs> I say we profit off of this. Why would you want to kill the shark? All right. So uh, this has been episode forty-seven of Pop Cannon all about halloween and we hope you guys have a very happy and safe halloween Aww. this year thank you jordan you know i i gotta unless you're listening to this after halloween in which case we hope you had a great halloween right and i really hope there's another one <laughs> <laughs> uh only time will tell it is almost november so uh make sure you go out and vote kids anyway vote for, uh, for pop cannon my name is Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Paul. And I'm Joe. <laughs> uh, you can find us uh, across all social media platforms at PopCanon. Don't forget the K. The, the K. Uh, a letter that was not on Judith Myers' tombstone that Michael Myers carried from the graveyard all the way to <laughs> ceremoniously place in that bedroom. And now we've come full circle. <laughs> we bid you farewell and good night. <laughs> Au revoir. Arvida saying. Okay. <laughs> <K. laughs> <laughs>